You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show on 710-KURV. Here's Sergio. Captain Dean Wagner is a helicopter pilot, ranger, West Point grad, U.S. Army veteran. Captain Dean Wagner is our guest. And before I talk about your company, sir, tell us a little bit about your, your service to our country. Well, I appreciate that. It truly was an honor to serve our great nation, and I had the honor of graduating from West Point in 1993, went to flight school to learn how to fly helicopters, then had a unique opportunity to attend the Army Special Forces Ranger School and served seven years active duty and have the most incredible memories of the amazing men and women I served with. I know your, your passion is to protect our country, and now you're in the market trying to protect our country as well. So tell me a little bit about your company, Authentically American. What is it? What are you selling, Dean? Sergio, we are an apparel brand. We have amazing product, and it's all made here in the U.S. And to give you and your listeners an idea how rare American made is in the apparel industry, when I graduated from West Point 93, over 50% was made in the U.S. Today, it's down to 3.5. 3.5 is all that's made here. Isn't that amazing? With, with everything that we need, even from the government's perspective or the military, please tell me, Dean, that our uniforms, all types of uniforms in our military, please tell me at least, you know, that, those, the hats, everything, berets, all those are being manufactured, weaved, sewn in the U.S., yes? Yes, that is the case. There's the Berry Amendment. There were a couple isolated instances historically where that's been deviated, but the Berry Amendment is a law that says everything for our military has to be sourced, produced, and manufactured here in the U.S., but I believe there's a greater opportunity not just for our men and women in uniform, but for you and I as individual consumers, for you as a business owner, for you as a charity, to make an intentional choice for American Made. And that's what we're all about, Sergio. I joke that we're an overnight success story five years in the making. You know, more and more people now are making that intentional choice. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your clothing line. What what is it that you offer? So we offer most anything and everything you would choose for everyday wear, whether it's a T-shirt, polo, hoodie, socks, jacket, anything like that. The only thing we don't really carry, carry is on the dress side, whether it's suits and sport coats yeah but most every day you can make that intentional choice when you wake up to make a american-made option whether it's a t-shirt polo quarter zip hoodie anything along those lines so think of casual every day you know you could think of a nike polo a brand like that but all made here in the u.s where do you manufacture your clothing what state so 11 states across the u.s so we have amazing t-shirts that we produce in Texas. We have socks in North Carolina. We have some fun Hawaiian shirts we make in Georgia. So all across the U.S. and you being down there in Texas, love that that is one of the states where we have a manufacturing facility. Yeah, I was about to say, I I hope that the states you chose are right-to-work states. (laughs) You don't want to shut down operations, (laughs) you know, like... Um, you know, overpriced, expensive coffee brand employees that sit down and have a coffee clutch while the customers want their coffee. And you know how things are when it comes to unions. So most of the states that you are in, are they right to work? They are. The vast majority are. And, you know, our belief in the American worker extends also to providing a very livable wage and a affordable, you know, environment and a great environment to work in. And 
we don't own these facilities. They're contracted, but we have visited all of our facilities and we go to great lengths to partner with our contract manufacturers to make sure they as well are taking great care of the American worker. You know, I I went to your website and... To authentically American. Hang on a second. Let me make sure I get the right one. Dot U.S. Okay. Authentically American dot U.S. There you are. Now I see you. Yeah, I was going to ask you and about Sergio, the, where, the the margins because it's made in the U.S. Do you find that you have to sacrifice quite a bit when it comes to margins? You got to profit as well. And Sergio, we have been able to make that work, and that is a business model choice. So we have amazing product. It's all made in the U.S., but you can't go to Amazon. You can't go to Macy's. You can only buy authentically American on our website or partnering with my team if you're a business and want polos with your business name on it. So that is the way we make it work is by cutting out the middleman and going direct. Yeah, the prices are are very fair. They're very affordable. Uh, Do you have them sold based on, uh, do you find that veterans come and shop at your place based on the service branch? And do you provide (laughs) a specific service branch? Sergio, it's so funny to hear you say that because Uh COVID really forced us to focus And as we looked at the numbers, we looked at the data, we found that veterans really resonated, really responded to our brand. So if you look at the colleges, for example, that we have licenses, there's West Point, Naval Academy, Air Force Academy, VMI, Citadel, so all the military colleges. Uh, And on the client side, the corporate side of our business, veteran-owned and veteran-operated businesses and veteran-focused charities is absolutely the sweet spot for our business and where our business resonates most. Okay. Do you provide in... Oh, let me reintroduce you. Uh, Dean Wagner, U.S. veteran. Uh, Captain Dean Wagner. He's CEO of Authentically American. That's a U.S.-based uh, clothing manufacturer. AuthenticallyAmerican.us is his website. Uh, real quick, can you make in bulk, like you were mentioning, company logos and things? Can you make, like, hundreds of shirts for some big company if that the order came in absolutely we have now nine fortune 500 clients that we work with we're in discussions with 51 more and our minimum on one of the spectrum is only 12. on the opposite end we had a top 10 accounting firm last week order 27,000 t-shirts <laughs> wow okay. 27 good t-shirts so we want to have a solution for small businesses but if you want to order big time from us we can accommodate that as well thank you dean and we wish you great success authentically american.us at ceo dean wagner this is the sergio show college's near future might see less students attending the ceo of young americans for liberty i welcome back lauren dartery all right lauren why is it that we're going to see a significant drop-off of some of these kids going to college Well, a couple different things. So one is a demographic shift. People are just having fewer babies, um, and that uh, means fewer students over time. But uh, secondarily, and I think arguably more importantly, um, a lot of the students coming through the system right now have seen the woes that the the students uh, a few years ahead of them have had with uh, high student loan debt and then graduating and struggling to find a job that – can pay off that debt in a in a reasonable amount of time, mm-hmm. and so this this new crop of students is coming through the system, looking at uh, things very critically, and I think they are going to make some different decisions than those uh, who were older than they are. The last recession pinch 
2010. There's other reports that say that because of the uncertainty back then, less families, less you know, there were less babies being born as a result of the economic pinch, and that's why we likely will see a big enrollment cliff, a decline in college enrollment. The other point that you were making on student loans and becoming wiser when it comes to attaining these loans and getting this education, do you think that maybe things are changing uh, on the, in the academic field where families and students are wising up to the fact that not all of them need a college degree? They do need skills, marketable skills, mm-hmm. and can work in the oil patch, can work in manufacturing, can work with skills fixing plumbing or electricity. They can attain computer skills, nursing skills, whatever is necessary to pay the bills and maybe, perhaps, maybe make more money than people with a four-year degree. You think this generation is wising up? Absolutely, and, and I think that's important uh, for our society that they do, both for their well-being and all of ours, because... Uh, we need people working in all of those jobs. Those are good jobs. They're honorable jobs. They, they are necessary and important for the well-being of our country. And uh, I think we need to uh, start celebrating uh, kids going to trade school the same way do ki- when kids go to a four-year college. Um, I think you know, we're, we're, we have done a disservice to a generation or two generations of students by not celebrating that enough. Um, we, we need to help them see uh, there are so many different paths out there, so many different opportunities. And uh, we're, all, we're all made differently with different skills and different talents and different interests. And uh, students shouldn't feel like there's this one-size-fits-all path to success. There's not. There's not. We need to show them all these different paths and that these are all good paths of doing meaningful work and important work and work that can help them provide well for themselves and their families. From Young Americans for Liberty, Lauren Doherty is my guest. One of the comments that I hear from some of these parents who send these kids to liberal arts schools is, you know, follow your dreams. Finance and follow your dreams. Screw screw that. Follow your dreams. Being a a stage-performing basket weaver isn't going to pay the bills. You need skills to, to pay the bills. You can do everything else that is in liberal arts, whether it's literature or music or art or dance, whatever. But first, we need to prioritize. And it it needs to happen at the family level. And next, I think it needs to happen at the public school level. And I'm hoping that with this revolution that we see where school districts are being taken over, these school boards are being taken over by more common sense, liberty-minded, common sense-minded Americans, I hope that that's part of the message that they bring to academia starting at grade school, starting at high school. Absolutely. We need to be practical, and we need our students to be able to go on and earn a living for themselves, and then they can pursue their dreams on top of that. Absolutely. They can uh, do it but uh, yeah. they have to be able to earn a living for themselves, uh, and if our school system is not helping them be on the right path to do that, then, then our school system's failing. And I'm glad that people are are starting to look I at it that so. way and, and make the necessary changes. Yeah, I hope so. And if you got kids or you got grandkids, you need to have this conversation as a family before you start plopping down thousands of dollars over some liberal arts program that's not going to pay the bills. We need IT professionals. We need pilots. We need rail workers. We need truck drivers and so on and so forth. So many different skills that they can attain. Final thought, Lauren. Well, you know, here at Young Americans for Liberty, we mobilize college kids to make 
millions of Americans more free every year. We're dedicated to the principles of liberty and helping save them for uh, for future generations of Americans. And so uh, we we represent uh, and work with students from lots of different uh, backgrounds um, and help mobilize them to to defend the Constitution, our basic liberties. Uh, but thank you so much for having yeah, me and, and bringing a voice to these topics. Website, Lauren, real quick, website. YALiberty.org. YALiberty.org. Thank you, Lauren. We'll talk soon. This is The Sergio Show. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands, your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio, just say, Alexa, play 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Lawmakers in D.C. tackling the vaccine mandate. The, my words, completely lunatic, unjust vaccine mandate forced on our military. They're tackling this in legislation. I'm bringing in a Republican strategist, Republican strategist with RDP is Brian Seidchik. Good to talk to you again, Brian. You think Good morning. These, How are you? They're going to force, these lawmakers are going to force President Biden to make a choice to veto this up or down. Where do you think he goes? I think he signs this. I don't think he has much of a choice here. Uh, Overall, he gets a lot of what he needs here. You know, we actually get more money for defense than he originally asked for. We get $740 billion for the Defense Department. He actually wanted 715 And the issue is the agreement prohibits service members from being dishonorably discharged for refusing the vaccination. Yeah. But it's what I want to know is why does it do nothing for those that already lost their jobs, the heroes that lost their health care, the families that lost their health care? It does nothing for them. So I feel like he's going to sign this, uh, but I don't know what we're going to do for the folks that were forced out of the military uh, last year as a result of this. And what happens down the road when, uh, when if there are people that have adverse reactions to the vac- vaccination five, ten years down the road, yeah. is the federal government well, going to take responsibility for forcing that on folks? I think four. we both know the answer to that. Yeah, no, absolutely not. But the I think the legislation, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's still in committee. And it might not uh, be too late to force the issue of bring them back. Hire everyone fired, kicked out of the military as a result of this stupid vaccine mandate. I have not seen or read anything about that. I, I, I was taking a look and I seen the press releases from various Republican members in the House and in the Senate that are sort of waving the flag of victory yeah. in the fact that they can folks can no longer be discharged from this. I haven't seen any chatter at all about bringing back those folks that were that, yeah. that were kicked out of the military before. And we're talking about thousands of people and yeah. thousands of families that lost their, their health care. I mean, military health care is pretty good, as it should be for our heroes. And I don't see any reference to that anywhere. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I, 
it has passed the House. It has passed the Senate, from what I understand, and it's waiting for Biden's signature. And all indications are he's going to sign it. I mean, this passed the Senate, I think, 88-11, something like that. Yeah. So this should become law. But I hope somebody picks up the, the mantle for those that, that were forced to give up the military, that, that went, the, you know, that have been there to defend our country and were forced out. Because that's a pretty important group of people. Well, we got, uh, if, if, it, if it's not taken care of now, because, you know, boneheaded, they didn't take care of it. That we got a Republican Congress that can help push that and force the Senate's hand as well. Those 88 who voted uh, to get rid of the mandate, go visit them and say, hey, what about these Americans, these service members? Yeah, we can pick that up uh, early next year. This vaccine mandate. Oh, by the way, my guest uh, from RDP Strategies, uh, Strategies, I joke around with that word too much, uh, from RDP Strategies, Brian uh, Sychik, he's a Republican strategist. Uh, the vaccine mandate has weakened not only recruitment efforts in the military, but also weak in the military because all these people, they left their post. They either they were the Guard or a National Guard or they were in, in the military and, and to some degree. What was it, almost 10 percent, like 8, 9, 10 percent we lost as a result of, of the vaccine mandate? Absolutely. And recruiting numbers have been way off since then. And I'm glad this is being done now. But as I know you recall, Biden declared that the pandemic was over months ago when it was politically convenient and his poll numbers were in the tank and he wanted to bring them back up. He said it was over. Why are we just getting to this now? I mean, again, I, I understand it's the defense authorization bill and now it's time to do it. But it's not like Congress couldn't uh, couldn't have passed this legislation before. Biden was in the Democrats were in control of the House and the Senate. They could have uh, put this order in months ago. And the fact that they dragged this out another couple months is just more sort of egregious behavior from Biden and, and his Democrat allies. Hey, man, before I let you go, I just want to get your thoughts. Uh, there was a, a, a good story out of D.C. today where Brittany Griner coming home, although the uh, monster being sent to Russia, not exactly an equal exchange, but you know, I'm sure Brittany Griner, her family, they're happy that she's coming home for Christmas. Victor Boots, their arms dealer, bad guy, bad hombre, as as Donald Trump would say, he's being sent to Russia. But Paul Whelan, who's been in Russian custody, uh, he does not get released. And I just want to get your quick thoughts, uh, quick thoughts on the big story of, of the morning. Well, one, I, I, any American held against their will, I'm glad they're coming home. Yep. I'm glad that Brittany Griner is coming home. But to, to trade Brittany Griner for the merchant of death, uh, this arms dealer, and not bring home one of our heroes, one of our service members, is a bad deal. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to disparage bringing Brittany Griner home again. I think that's a good thing. But how do we not bring home our service member who has no business being there and trade it for the merchant of death? And it's no coincidence that Putin waited until after the 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 midterm elections to do this uh you know i'm sure this deal's been in effect been on the table for a long time but let's also understand this deal is not just about Brittany griner and the americans and the russians the north koreans the iranians the chinese they all see that biden negotiates with a poor hand and that he made a bad deal just like president obama let Putin invade Crimea many years ago, uh, and that opened up the door. Uh, I think this sends a weak signal internationally that Biden can be rolled. I'm sure we have in the federal system. Well, I suspect in the federal system, we have plenty of probably Russian spies or other Viktor Boot clones that perhaps he could offer up. Is that what you think Moscow's holding out, Putin's holding out for? Maybe getting more of his spies home as a result of of uh, today's release? 
I know he's holding out for more. Again, this sends a signal that Biden is not a tough negotiator, that he can be rolled, that he can that he can bow to public pressure. I mean, Brittany Griner is a as a, you know, relatively high, I wouldn't say a high value target, but, you know, a big name got a lot of attention. And again, I'm glad she's coming home. Amen. I live in Scottsdale, so she's a, a Phoenix person. But to leave the merchant of death there and not bring home our service members, is just it's just not a good deal, no matter how you cut it. Yeah, well. I'm sure Brittany won't be going back to Russia ever, ever again to play in that Russian league. I hope she doesn't. And um, I, I hope that this is a message for also for tourists and other Americans. You might be a target. You go to Russia. You, Absolutely. May, you just never know. You never know they're going to take it because for some stupid reason and hold you to eventually send you home in exchange for some criminal or something like that. I, I think this should be an impact on tourism toward uh, to Russia as a result of 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 her case and our adversaries and our adversaries around the world. I, I mean, it's just, it, it sends a message. You have to be careful. Americans are, are targets. Uh, we know that foreign governments are willing to use them as targets yep. and we all have to be extra careful here. That's right. Thank you, Brian. you be safe from RDP strategies is Brian Seitchik. This is the Sergio show. your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's Morning News. Weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's Morning News with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Don't you just hate liars? Sometimes you find out that people lied to you many days afterwards. That feeling that you've been betrayed, you've been backstabbed. You just, I hate liars. So at the moment that it's happening, can you know? My following guest is author of True to Myself, Peace, Love, Marnie. Comes to me from a mutual friend. Marnie, I appreciate your time today. Marnie Goldman joining me. How, How do you are know? You? Thank you for having me. How do you know someone is lying to you, Marnie? I know you've got like four or five things that you look for. Yes. There's, you know, some people are just born with something I call liabilities. <laughs> um, other people don't have it so um, easy, and there are a few things you can look for. The first one I noticed, um, especially with my children, is they look away. Or when you ask them a question, they kind of, in, without realizing it's so subtle, they just kind of look away or blink. A lot of blinking, unusual blinking. And another thing also is the change in voice, like um, that high-pitched kind of like, no, I didn't. You know how they kind of over, <laughs> try to over explain a little bit. Uh-huh. And also, um, too much detail. Like, they go on and on. Well, my car broke down, and then I had to call somebody, and they didn't show up, and on and on and on. Or little information, like, um, I don't recall. So you kind of also go with your gut. I mean, that is the first and foremost. Okay. Um, lying takes energy. So you can look at somebody, and you could see them getting maybe a little sweaty, sweaty on their forehead, on their, like, upper lip a little bit. 
um, because it does, it, they get blushy because you're, it's energy to lie. You're now just, that's why it's so much easy to tell the truth. It's just so much easier. It's, sometimes it's not even the, the lie, it's the, the betrayal of it and yeah. the keeping the secret of it. It's, you know, it's, it's a hard thing because we're such, like you were saying in the, in the, interview, in the intro, yeah. it is a betrayal it, when you find out that someone you love and trust you know, what on little things, not little white lies, like does this outfit look good? You're not gonna say no to avoid something, but you can tell pretty much by the a lot of fidgeting as well. Yeah. Marnie Goldman is a spiritual life coach, author of True to Myself, Peace Love, Marnie. Is lying necessary sometimes? What do you think? It is. I mean, on little things, I mean, again, you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. So if somebody presents you with their artwork, what do you think? You're not going to say, oh, that sucks. You know, of course, I love it. It's human. It's just kindness. I don't even want to look at it as lying. But if somebody, you ask somebody, did you go into my purse but or did you borrow my Let me my press jacket, the pause button, Marnie. Let me a client. Yeah. Oh, yes. Let me press the pause button. Wouldn't you be doing a friend or a colleague a favor? But just being honest. And saying, yeah, it sucks. You really should do something else. Well, sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Like, it's not your best work, or (laughs) you've done better. Like, when I write an article, or I I share, like, an interview with my daughter before um, playing it, I'll ask her, what do you think? And she'll say, well... It's good. So I can, that's her way of saying, I don't really like it. So it's <laughs> not what you say, it's how you say it. So, it's, you know, I'll get either, wow, or, well. So when they give the hesitant, that speaks volumes. <laughs> Marnie Goldman, my guest. Look for her website, peacelovemarnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I.com. Knowing when, when children are lying to you, I think that's easier to detect. It's kids that they just haven't exercised or perfected the art or the right. the, the habit <laughs> the habit of, of of lying. For adults, it's different. Is there other other body language, other things to look for in adults when you're trying to get the truth out of them? Let's say something that perhaps investigators use as they're trying to solve uh, a crime or, or the some way issue. what yeah. I've what I have researched and what I've noticed and the highest percentage I think was of the most was the over explaining or the under explaining and I know I said that earlier but I know even something if I were to call a doctor's office and cancel you know how somebody goes on and on and on instead of just saying I can't make it something came up you just don't want to tell the truth you don't want to be shamed it goes back to our childhood and I think a lot of the little detail as well, um, the body movements, they turn their body, their feet turning a different way, okay. looking away, not looking at you, looking kind of through you. And I always go back to the gut instinct, clearing the throat a lot, a lot of the ums, uh, you know, those kind of yeah, words the fill in. Yeah. Those are very, very good give, giveaways. What does it say when somebody's lying to you then? It, when you brought up the issue, uh, the fact of body language, let's say you mentioned feet position or body position, what is that saying at that moment that it's taking place? Is that they they don't want to have eye contact? They they don't want to confront the issue? They don't do not wish to? They're trying to avoid you? Is that what the body unconsciously, their mind is unconsciously, uh, exhibiting through their body position or, or feet position? 
I completely believe that because nobody, everybody, nobody, we all want to be non-confrontational. Nobody wants that. So I think it stems back subconsciously, yes, that when we move our feet a certain way, we're trying to avoid it by talking in circles. You don't know what you're saying and you kind of... There's so many little tips, the uncomfortableness of a person when you're talking to them. It's a trick I did. You can talk to somebody and say, where were you born? Miami. What do you do for a living? I'm a writer. And then you can ask a lie, and then you see how it changes when hmm. you're consistent in all the truths, and then the one lie, like, no, I didn't, or why Or the defensive. You know, they go right on the defensive. There it goes. I was going to ask about that's that next. One. Yeah. Yep. Abrupt anger, just spontaneous abrupt anger. That's... How dare you catch me doing what I wasn't supposed to do is what they're thinking on the inside and projected on you. Okay. Is that almost completely every single time an indication of a a lie? Or is that maybe just in some people uh, part of their personality where they're just jumpy and they always seem to be angry all the time? Well, there are people that are over-anxious, yes, that's their, you know, personality. But when it goes with other things, the over-explaining with the defense mechanism, or again, not explaining enough, like, I don't recall, that's not not that I'm aware of. You know, little things like that where they're not answering your question. And it's simple, a yes or no, did you do this? And when they can't answer it, you know something's a little bit fishy there. And you know what but again, they, you have people yeah. with liabilities, and they do it effortlessly. Lie about things they don't have to lie about. Yeah. So it's sometimes that's when I go with my gut. You is know it what worth they saying something? Yeah. It depends who the person is and who the situation is. It's easier just to tell the truth because when you lie, so you got to you got to remember the history and, and all the lying that you did to connect all the all the dots. That takes a lot more work. Than just simply a lot more, right? A lot more. <laughs> I remember when I had to cancel a psychologist appointment. They're like, I used to make up and make up an excuse because I didn't want to get in trouble, quote unquote. But now it was like I just couldn't get out of bed today. Hey, I'm being completely honest with you guys, and it's so much easier than saying, "Oh, my so and so relative is sick." So next time I see them, they would say, "How is so and so? What are you talking about?" And then so it's just just say it right there, right then. It's so easy. You may not like it. It may sting for a moment, but it's so much worth it in the long run. 10-4. Well, I think we got a lot of good points. Uh, just top of mind, I recall what you mentioned about the uh, the tone of the voice, and the, the anger, the body language. I find that fascinating. And of course, uh, your gut mm-hmm. feeling, you kind of know what's, what's going on. Anything else I missed? That uh, A sign of people lying to you? I think that change in vocal pitch when you ask them a question and that getting on the defensive is the one that gives them a self, gives okay. themselves away the most. I mean, it's the most obvious. It's just, I just think that go with your gut. When you know, you know, that somebody's really lying to you, how I always just know my customers, know never to trust them. Yeah. Um, most of the time, I don't say anything. It's not worth it. Um, unless it has to do with family, of course. But it, it gives you a good wake-up call to who people are because trust is the foundation of any relationship, yeah. marriage, friendship, business. If you don't have trust, you don't have anything. Thanks for so the... So when people show you what they are, believe them. Yeah. Thanks for the insight. A fascinating topic. Hey, before I let you go, tell me about your book, uh, True to Self, Peace, Love, Marnie. What is that, Marnie? It's True to Myself, Peace, Love, Marnie. It's on Amazon and actually being sold and displayed at the National Institute of Health, the NIH bookstore. It's the most um, resilient story. It's as traumatic as my life was. It's a dramatic story. So it's the most fiction of a nonfiction life. And when people want to give up, they read any 
page of my book and you feel instant peace, instant motivation, instant inspiration, instant inspired. Thank you, Marnie. Well, have a wonderful holiday season. You be safe. You got it. And they can find me on Amazon. Have a wonderful holiday. Her name, the, the book, uh, her book is True to Myself. Peace, love, Marnie. That is Marnie Goldman. This is The Sergio Show. Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have a In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Welcome back to the program. A former cop, and he's an attorney, author of When Cops Kill, Lance LaRusso. Welcome back, amigo. Good to talk to you again. So, as we close out 2022, how deadly was this year when it comes to attacks on police officers? What can you share with me, Lance? As, thanks for having me back. As of December 2nd, 302 officers have been shot in the line of duty. 114 of them were shot in 79 ambush attacks. So if you want to know how deadly that is, your listeners, most people work in small businesses. But imagine you work in a business of 302 people, and in 12 months, every one of them was shot doing their jobs. It's an incredibly dangerous environment, made even more dangerous by letting really bad people out of prison and not holding them in prison waiting for trial, and also this rhetoric that is causing officers to be shorthanded and retirements to be up about 45% nationwide. Do you see a political shift? Do you see a policy shift, a potential one? To make things normal again, where we move away, move back from this crazy, lack of common sense, turnstile mentality in major U.S. cities where folks are, are released, you know, personal recognizance after major crime. They go back and commit more crime and where prosecutors are, are not doing their job in prosecuting to full extent to the law some of these criminals. I see the change in the groundswell of public rebellion. So the defund the police movement is the fastest conceived, implemented, and failed social policy in U.S. history. And it's people are starting to see, just like law enforcement knew, that the real people injured by that policy are poor people who rely on law enforcement for help. So the effects, as you talk about the no-cash bail or, or turnstile um, arrest policies and not prosecuting people, the end result is that people are not safe in their houses. They can't go shop during the season. They can't put their kids out on a bus stop without worrying. They can't keep their sixth graders from being recruited by violent gangs. And they've had enough. And the problem is that the, they're not speaking out loudly. Overwhelmingly, the public supports law enforcement, but it's a cacophony of ignorance. People who are not going to admit they were wrong that are still sticking to their guns and saying, oh, well, you know, law enforcement's the problem. They're sticking to their flawed principles 
and they were wrong to start with. A leading attorney, he helps law enforcement. He's also a former cop. Lance LaRusso is my guest. When you said that there were 79 ambush attacks, as, as of December 1st, 79 ambush attacks on police nationwide. That's that's scary to think that they're it should be. waiting to think take them down and kill them. Is that number higher compared to the previous year? Do you know? Yes, it has been going up. In 2021, there was a, I think it was a 115% increase in ambush style attacks. These have been going up for years. And what's really interesting, when people talk about the psychology of crime, think about how a person has to be focused on the fact that there's no consequences for their actions and how they have to be convinced that law enforcement is evil for them to approach and attack somebody who has the clear ability to protect themselves. And if a person would attack a uniformed law enforcement officer and try to kill them, knowing that they're armed, knowing that they're trained, what will they do to a senior citizen or an 11-year-old walking down the street? Yeah. As far as number of officers killed in the line of duty, please tell me that number is also not up as much as that ambush attack. It is. It's actually up this year. And the the murders that have been taking place are showing an increased level of violence. And it shouldn't surprise anyone. You know, when we look at, you know, we had an officer a few years ago in Georgia murdered by somebody who had been given probation 17 or 19 times. Over and over again, we see, well, we need stronger laws to prevent whatever. But then we see cases where people have demonstrated felonious, dangerous, felonious conduct, and it's pled down to misdemeanors, all in the nature of, well, we want to keep our crime statistics better, or you can't hold people responsible. At the heart of the very, the, the very heart of this is this abandonment of the, con- the concept of personal responsibility. People are responsible for their actions. And I'll give you an example. We see these interactions. I've represented over 160 officers who've been involved in shootings. And we see this micromanagement. Okay, so the officer is attacked here. A minute later, why did they do this, this, and this? Well, you're not supposed to attack law enforcement officers. It's illegal. It's a felony in every state to physically assault a law enforcement officer, much less shoot at them or try to stab them or, or try to knock them unconscious. We need to focus this analysis on don't attack the police. You should not be doing that at all instead of after they were attacked, why did the officer take the action they did? Until we do that, the criminals are going to feel like they have no, no consequences whatsoever for their actions. Lance LaRusso, attorney, my guest, he works on behalf of police officers as well. He's a former cop. He is author of When Cops Kill. I think the, the entire social justice movement needs to pause for a minute and reflect on what it is that they're working toward in this country and go examine history again. I know the whole excuse is, well, racism and injustices and all these people of color behind bars. You know what? All the people of color are blacks, Latinos. I don't see, you know, by ratio, equal number of Asia Pacific Rim individuals, folks from China, folks from Japan, I don't see them filling up penitentiaries like white people, black people, and brown people in this country do in this country. And you can make all these claims about social justice and righting the wrongs of yesterday. Stay in school. Be a parent. Take care of your kids. 
work a job, make some money, save some money. I was looking at this report, plus on the other side, looking at the ethnicities that have taken advantage of the prosperity in this country. And you know what? Of, Of the 15, 20 different ethnicities that are listed, you know where white people fall? Number, like number 10 or 11 on that list. And then lastly, Latinos and blacks at the very bottom of individuals, ethnicities taking advantage of the opportunities and prosperity in this country. It's, it's always folks from Japan, Asia Pacific Rim countries, China, uh, the Philippines. They are the ones that are taking advantage of the prosperity and opportunities of this country and staying away from crime. It's, it's a culture that needs to be reexamined. And it starts with a family. Anyway, off the soapbox. Just want to get your final thoughts. Oh, I, I love the soapbox. Preach it. Because the law enforcement has been preaching it for years. Law enforcement has been seeing people that are waiting for someone else to change their circumstances. The only person who can change your circumstances is you. Amen. If you're waiting for a government entity to do it, if you're waiting to blame somebody else for it, you're not the most important person in the room when you're alone in the closet. Recognize you're part of a society. Either be part of it or leave or recognize that when you assault other people in society and you violate society's laws, you're going to go to prison. And right now, I could tell you, what you need to do is have your listeners thank a law enforcement officer and try to recruit somebody into their community law enforcement. Yep. That's the only way we're going to turn yeah. this around. And for teachers, if any teachers or administrators are listening in, as, as many times as you bring the fire department and the pretty shiny red fire trucks to your school for the kids to see, do the same thing for cop cars and cops and sheriff's officials to come see how human they are and realize that they have kids too. They love the community. They're human beings. That way to push back and some of the ignorance is being taught at home about, you know, El Cucuy, the, the boogeyman is the cop. I'm going to call El Cucuy. I'm going to call the, the, the boogeyman to come and get you if you don't behave. No, we, we, need to, we need to change this culture. And help our children understand that police officers are here to protect them, protect our community, and maybe they can have a career too because, man, we got to turn this this negativity around. And some of our kids need to become, they need to take the helm and become police officers near, near future because recruitment is really hurting nationwide. Lance, thank you. Have a wonderful holiday, brother. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you. Again, his book is When Cops Kill, attorney and former cop Lance LaRusso. This is The Sergio Show.